No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Solomon advises his readers to draw near to God to listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Whoever loves money is not satisfied with money, and he can't take it with him. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 on Simply the Bible. Many things that the world tells us are valuable are in fact meaningless and empty. But the things that God gives are truly satisfying and bring us joy. Solomon continues sharing his wisdom concerning the valuable and meaningful things of life and also those things that are just vanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Now, a few years ago, we went on a mission trip to Romania. We have a sister church that we support there. We had an extended layover at Amsterdam, so we decided to leave the airport and take a train into the city. It was a bit of a walk to board the train. And the airport had many conveyor belts on which to speed up your walking. Throughout the process, we continued to hear a voice emanating from the airport speakers, mind your step. That is what I think of here where Solomon says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God. Mind your step because you're going before God and you want to draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. Now, it's been said that there's a parable on your head. You have two ears and one mouth to teach you to listen twice as much as you speak. I think this is even more important as we come to the house of God or as we draw near to God in prayer. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. And when you realize that the Holy Spirit is in you to help guide you in prayer and to speak to you, then as we just still our hearts and minds and just listen, so oftentimes the Lord will begin to speak to our heart. And that's what I understand here from what Solomon is saying. Look, just be careful about what you say. Mind your step. Go near to hear. Don't offer the sacrifice of fools. Well, how could you do that? Well, by saying things that you don't mean, or if you are not confessing your sins, you're pretending like everything's okay when it's not. Uh, You would be far better off to just do what Jesus said uh, of the tax collector. He, He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and he said, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, God said in Isaiah 29, 13, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man made rules learned by rote. So that would be the sacrifice of fools. You know, we don't bring animal sacrifices like they did, but we ought to bring hearts that are sincerely wanting to worship God, and that means that we offer ourselves to God. Jesus said in John 4.24 to the Samaritan woman, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him 
must worship in spirit and truth. That is the kind of worship that God is looking for. So make sure you give that kind of worship and not the worship of fools. Don't be rash with your mouth. Now, it's possible to just say things in prayer that either we don't really mean or we go on and on with many words. I've been a part of a number of corporate prayer meetings, and the thing that will kill it is when somebody just goes on and on about random things. And at first, you're listening, and you might even be praying with them, but then as they go on and on, you're praying against them. Lord, just shut their mouth so somebody else can pray, you know. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. God doesn't require a lot of words. In fact, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's actually pretty few words. So it would be better to say fewer words and really mean them. John Bunyan, who wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress, wrote in prayer, It is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. And Charles Spurgeon said, It's not the length of our prayers, but the strength of our prayers that makes the difference. Verse 3, for a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. Now Solomon is comparing dreams with the fool's voice in his prayers. After you've had much activity, a, a lot of work, you know, maybe you're going to dream a lot at night, but those dreams are meaningless, you know. And so what also is meaningless is the fool's voice and, and the multitude of words that he's using in prayer. Verse 4, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity, but fear God. So he says, look, when you make a vow to God, make sure that you pay it. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Now, nobody is making you make a vow. As he says, it's better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Why do people make vows? Well, they want to make sure that God understands that they really want to do it, you know, and maybe there's a reason. Maybe you feel like, you know, God is calling you to like give more to his work, and so you make a vow, I'm going to give X amount, or maybe you want to pray more, or maybe you want to witness more, or maybe you just want to stop a certain sin, and you, you vow, I'm never going to do that again. Well, you know, whatever you vow, don't be hasty in it, and if you vow, you make sure that you pay it. You don't have to vow. You can just try to do better without making the vow, uh, but once you do the vow, then you better make sure that you pay it. So don't let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. And don't say anything before the messenger of God uh, that it was an error. I think of people that will come to you and say, you know, hey, will you give to this or that? And, and you feel sort of compelled under pressure. And so you kind of give in and you say, oh, yeah, OK, I'll do that. And then later you regret it. So then you say, well, it was an error. Well, look, if it's the messenger of God and you said, well, it was an error, then you didn't really count the cost. And that might incur God's anger. Uh, and he's saying, look, why should God be angry with you or destroy the work of your hands as a result? So uh, you better just fear God and be careful about the vows that you make. Count your costs. If you do make a vow, that's okay. Just make sure that you pay it. Verse 8, if you see the oppression of the poor 
and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province. Do not marvel at the matter, for high official watches over high official, and higher officials are over them. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. So he's saying, look, don't be shocked if you see corruption in government. It's been said that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we can can just expect there to be corruption in government as long as there are sinners in charge. And that's going to continue until Jesus comes again and establishes his government. So don't be shocked by it. It's just the way it is. But Government is still useful. Government profits all, he says. And God ordains government. He doesn't ordain anarchy. Now, Romans 13 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Solomon now turns to riches and the vanity of riches. Verse 10, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. So that's the thing about money. Whoever seeks money will not be satisfied with money. Like the rich man that was asked, well, how much is enough? And he said, well, just a little bit more. You know, it never satisfies. And here's the thing. If your possessions increase, your money increases, well, then you have more responsibility because ultimately it doesn't belong to you anyway, and you're going to give an account for it. Moreover, the laboring man's sleep is sweet. I remember working for my dad, who was a bricklayer. We would work in the hot summer sun in Sacramento, and man, it was hard work. And by the end of the day, when I would hit the pillow, I was out. But he says the rich man cannot sleep. Why not? Well, he's worried about all of his stuff, okay? Somebody's going to rip him off, or there's going to be an economic downturn, or whatever. And he can't sleep at night. He's too anxious. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt, but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. So Solomon says, this is an evil. There are those who just hoard riches, but it's to their own hurt. And then some misfortune comes and all this money that they've hoarded, well, it all goes away and they have nothing to pass on to their son. As he came from his mother's womb naked, shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind all his days? He also eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and sickness and anger. So here's the guy that he has worked hard to get everything that he has. He's had much sorrow and sickness and anger. But the problem is, is that he can't take any of it with him. And when he dies, what profit is it? Because he's never really learned how to use it rightly. And he, it cost him a lot in his health to get it. And then he can't take any of it with him. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up treasures here on earth 
where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You can't take your treasure with you, but you can send it on ahead. And if you lay it up in heaven by doing those things that God's called us to do, by blessing others with it, giving it away, you know, whatever, uh, then your heart will follow where your treasure is and your heart will be for heaven. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. So Solomon comes to this conclusion many times, which is, look, enjoy the good of your labor because that is your gift from God. And if you do that, then God will keep you busy doing those things that bring you joy. He'll give you the labor and it will be a sweet labor because you are enjoying everything that God gives you. You know, he gives you good things and he gives you the capacity to enjoy those good things. And that's what's valuable in life. So much of what the world says uh, will bring us satisfaction doesn't. But what does bring us satisfaction is doing the will of God, receiving things from him, and then giving it away to God and to others. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see that it is vanity to have wealth, but not to enjoy it. What you see is better than a wandering desire for what you cannot have. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ecclesiastes on Simply the Bible.